Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Brother Wilson. It's indeed a delight and a joy to be back in PSR conference this year in the good city of Fresno, California. And uh, good to be with all you folks. My, what a tremendous meeting. Last night was just marvelous. Brother Godwin got it started out tremendously last night. Brother Libby just took us into tremendous dimensions of praise and worship to the Lord and loving God. Tremendous, tremendous preaching today. Brother Booker did what only Brother Larry Booker can do. <laughs> Amen. It was truly a tremendous message. Brother Howard followed him with a tremendous message. I love Brother Gary Howard. What a tremendous preacher he is. And uh, then our good brother Miranda came here tonight. What a blessing. Don't you like what you feel in this meeting? Don't you appreciate what you feel? Why don't we pray again and thank God for what we have and experienced and felt in this meeting? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 And then the tremendous men that lead this meeting. I have a tremendous amount of appreciation and thanksgiving to them, to the Wilson that introduced me tonight. Tremendous preacher, great man of God. Brother Von Morton, that I have loved and respected and appreciated for many, many years. What a great man of God. Brother Booker, as I mentioned a moment ago, a tremendous leader in this meeting. And also Brother Randy Keyes, that is not only having great revival in its church, but is helping to create that climate and spirit of revival in a lot of places. And it's a fantastic blessing. I appreciate Brother Keyes. Brother Danny Walden has been my friend for many years. I love and appreciate him. These are great men, great leaders, and I count it a privilege to be here tonight. I've been at PSR so many times, I just kind of almost feel like I'm at home now. <laughs> Amen. And I've always enjoyed, I don't know of any meeting that I've enjoyed coming to, and I've been coming here since the mid-80s. and started coming to PSR when, um, when this conference was over in the church building. And we had some good meetings. You men that were supposed to help in the children's church, it has blown out prematurely. They are in an altar call right now. You young men that were going to help them pray them through. They're desperate for you to get up there and start laying hands on people. They, they, were, they weren't ready, but God was. So yeah, hurry up. Get up there and help them. Praise God. That sounds all right. Hallelujah. In a couple hours, the rest of us can join them. Praise God. <laughs> Don't nobody have a heart attack. I'm not going to preach two hours tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I was thinking of some of those tremendous PSR meetings we had. Well, Morton, even over in your church. My, what a tremendous time we had. I, 
I've enjoyed this conference so much through the years, and, and thanks to all of you. It's again a delight to be here tonight. Hallelujah. Good to feel after the Lord, isn't it? <clears throat> I'm going to be through preaching by 1 o'clock. Of course, you know, it's 12 right now, you know. Brother Griffith, it's 12 o'clock right now, North Carolina time. It's midnight. <clears throat> and so I'll be through preaching by 1 o'clock. <clears throat> and if I don't finish on my time, I'll finish on yours. But I <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah. Isn't it good to have a determination to do something for God in this hour? I believe we ought to have that kind of determination. Our daily prayer ought to be, Lord, give me the determination and the tenacity of a weed. Just keep staying in there. Somebody said that a diamond is just a hunk of coal that stuck to its job and made good under pressure. And I believe that. I believe if we'll stick to our job, God will help us. Amen. And somebody else said that a great oak was just a little nut that held its ground. Glory to God. If that's what it takes, that's what the church ought to be doing tonight. How many thinks we ought to stay in the fight, love God, do the will of God, and be ready for his coming? Let's clap our hands and exalt the Lord tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's turn tonight to the uh, book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 34. And I want to bring you a few minutes of what I feel tonight. <clears throat> These men have preached so much and so good and so well, I don't know if there's anything left to preach. But I'll tell you what, they have preached and blessed our souls. My goodness. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse number 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Nephtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, and the city of palm trees unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. Notice that. I have caused it you to see it with your eyes, but thou shalt not go over so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And the Bible said in verse 7, His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the Bible said in verse 9, that Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, and Moses had laid his hands upon him, and so on. Now let's go back for a moment to Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter number 20, and verse number 11. Let's back up just for a little bit. Numbers chapter 20, verse 11. Sound like Saddam Hussein and his army has come over here and got written that weaker system over there. 
Bless God. I want you to know if they start fighting, we're going to fight back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Numbers 20 and verse 11. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses. You know, even when Moses disobeyed God, he was still blessed. And some people think because, I suppose, that they're being blessed to a degree or measure in some way, that that means that God is pleased, not always. And the Lord spake, verse 12, unto Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Notice, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land I have given you. Tonight, I want to preach to you on the subject when the follower passes the leader. I want to tag in a little bit there today to Brother Howard and uh, what he was preaching and teaching and saying and what the Spirit was doing at the close of today's service. Brother Morton, come over here a minute. I want you to pray. Would you do that right now? Let's bow right here. Lord Jesus, once again, we come into your presence. God, we thank you for the messenger that has come our way tonight. We believe, God, that he has heard from heaven. And we're going to hear your word and your will through the lips of a man that you have anointed. Oh, God, give us. Give us direction as individuals here tonight seeking the way. Speak to us, O oh God, thy will and thy word in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Let's praise the Lord one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. God bless you and you may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. One of the saddest statements, I think, in all the Bible is found in Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse number 4. When you know the background of this man, Moses, what he did, what he was where he came from what God raised him up to do one of the saddest statements in all the Bible is chapter 34 and verse 4 of Deuteronomy he said that I have caused you to see it with your eyes but thou shalt not go over I'm letting you see it but you're not going to go over and possess it at this time, of course, Israel was at the door of the promised land. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey. They had been on their way for 40 years. They had waited for this moment for 40 years. They had longed for this moment for 40 long years. They had anticipated and looked forward to this moment for 40 years and now then after all the waiting after all of the uh, patience after all of the uh, times of looking forward 
with a lot of hope and a lot of desire to see the promised land. Now then, Moses said, as he called his trusted leaders together, as he called Joshua unto him, he said, I am not going to be able to go over. I am not going to go into the land of promise. I'm sure that we, it was a heartbreaking moment for Moses. After all the years that he had looked forward to going, now he cannot go. He said, I've made the mistake of smiting the rock twice. I've disobeyed God. Now then, Joshua, you are to go and you're to lead the people. You are to take the people and lead them on to the place that we have anticipated going for a long time. Now, as for me, I'm going to go up on Mount Nebo, and I'm going to die there in the valley of Moab. That was a sad day, and that was a sad time. Not only did Moses tell that to Joshua, but then he called the priests and the Levites together, and he says the same thing to them. I cannot go to the promised land. For 40 years, I've looked forward to going. For 40 years, this has been my heartbeat. For 40 years, this has been my intent and greatest desire was to go to the promised land. I have prepared for this for a long time, but I cannot go. I've made a mistake. I, I've sinned. I've failed God. I smote the rock twice. Therefore, I cannot go. And with a great deal of sadness, he says to the leaders of Israel, I cannot go over to the promised land. And then he calls all the people together. And he tells them essentially the same thing. This was my hope for all of these years. This was my dream. This was my heartbeat. For 80 years, God planned for me to have this moment. For 80 years, God prepared me and planned for me and brought me to this particular occasion. But it's a heartbreaking thing for Moses to say now, I cannot go. I cannot take you any further. I cannot lead you any further. I have taken you as far as I'm going to be able to take you. I can look back, Moses could say, and think about the time that I went to Pharaoh and how that Pharaoh did not want to let me go. I could think about all the plagues that came upon the Egyptians. I could think about 10 different plagues that came upon them. He could reminisce back about what God had done for him through the years. But the bottom line is, and the sad story is, I'm not going to be able to lead you into the promised land. I'm thinking back when God told me to hold out a rod, and I stretched forth the rod, and the sea parted hither and thither. I think back to the time that God sent a strong east wind that night and tried out the ground, and we walked through the next day, and not a one of us was lost. I think back how that when we got safely on the other side, how that Pharaoh said, if they can do it, we can do it. The world's always tried to emulate and copy the work of God. And there are some copiers of the true church out there tonight. But I tell you, they can never truly copy 
They may try to emulate, but they can never duplicate the work of the Spirit of God and the work of the Word of God that's in the church of Jesus Christ tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a lot of people that say I'm speaking with tongues. And I hear some of our preachers say how many millions there are out there that's speaking with other tongues. And while I thank God for what God does for everybody, and while I rejoice in the good things that God's doing around the world, I can tell you there's more to being saved than just speaking in tongues. Amen. They used to advertise a certain man that they'd say, come and watch him smoke his pipe while he speaks in tongues. Amen. But that's not the kind of tongue talking that I got 42 years ago when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And I thank God for everybody that speaks with other tongues. But I'm going to tell you, friend, not only are we commanded to be baptized with the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues, but we're also commanded to be water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say tonight, I don't believe anybody's sins are remitted or washed away until they're baptized in water by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. What a baptism is still essential to salvation, and it must be done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then there are some folks that are baptizing in Jesus' name, but they're not doing it for the remission of sin. Praise God. I hear Deion Sanders I read the other day, and I don't even take People magazine, and I don't take the National Enquirer, and none of them other silly magazines, but somebody told me there was an article on a certain preacher from Dallas in People magazine that told my wife, get it, I want to read that, and that's all I read, but I read that, and he said he baptized Deion Sanders in Jesus' name, and that God's still anointing him to play with the Cowboys. I beg your pardon, please. But I just don't believe God's anointing anybody to play professional sports. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I don't care how much you speak in tongues or even how much you're baptized in Jesus' name. Baptism in Jesus' name is for, it is for. The remission of sin, which means your sins are not remitted until you are baptized in Jesus' name, which means it's essential and necessary to salvation, and it must be in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. And also, when you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, I, I believe that it'll change your life. I believe it'll transform your life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. They used to tell us in church years ago, when you repent, you quit sins. 
Now then, they say, get baptized, get the Holy Ghost, and sit here for a year or two, and we'll take you through enough classes and seminars, and maybe you'll finally become a saint of God. I want to tell you, friend, we can never bypass repentance. Amen. You may be seated. This is not my subject tonight, but I want to say this, that repentance is the lost message of the church. The Holy Ghost speaking in tongues is not the lost message. The gifts of the Spirit is not the lost message. Amen. But the lost message to the church world is old-fashioned repentance. And people are trying to bypass repentance and get some kind of a hocus-pocus Holy Ghost. I believe we still need an altar. We still need an altar call. We still need a place to pray. And we need to give somebody a little bit of time to repent. You may be seated. Praise God. I, I, I just believe we ought to give folks time to repent. Can you say amen? I said it takes a little time to repent, and we ought to give them a little time. But sometimes we're so anxious to count numbers. we got to count them getting the Holy Ghost before they repent, before there's any repentance, before there's any change. I think we need to come back to doing it God's way and God's formula and God's plan and God's word. Have faith in God. Repent of your sins. Then get baptized. And then he'll give you the Holy Ghost. And then you'll be born again of water and of spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. So Moses said, I was there. I talked to Pharaoh. I saw him. I saw him give in and then I saw him change his mind but we went through the Red Sea I was there and smoked the rock at Horeb and water came out I saw the cloud by day I saw the pillar of fire by night I saw when we prayed down manna from heaven and every day like the hoary frost of the dawn there came manna from heaven and it fell right at their tent flaps and, and the Bible says that they asked when it came, what is it? What is it? The word manna means what is it? And so for 40 years they had what is it every day. Hallelujah. For 40 days, what are you folks eating? I don't know. What is it? That's what manna means. What you have for breakfast? What is it? What you have for dinner? What is it? What you have for supper? And you city folks, it's dinner or it's lunch and it's dinner, but it's all about the same thing. Praise God. What you have? We had what is it? And every morning, praise God, before they ever got up in the morning, heaven's ovens was turning out enough manna to feed two million Israelites. Amen. Amen. Enough to fill 240 boxcars on a train was delivered, baked in heaven's ovens every morning and delivered personally to their front pit door. And then you don't think God can take care of you? I'm telling you, friend, if God can send manna in the wilderness, he can take care of our churches. He can supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. 
by Christ Jesus. Let's praise the Lord right now. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Moses could say I was there at the uh, building of the tabernacle. I was there at Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments were given. I saw all of this and God raised me up for this special occasion. But now then with sadness, perhaps with tears in his eyes, I believe this wasn't a casual thing to Moses. This meant something to Moses, Brother Booker. Now then with sadness in his voice, no doubt with tears in his eyes, he said, Joshua, I'm not going to be able to lead the people over. But he said, you are going to be designed and designated by the Spirit of God to lead them over. Hallelujah. I will not see the palm city of Jericho. I will not see the Mount of Temptation. I will not see the Mount of Olives. I'll never go to Bethlehem. I'll never go into Jerusalem. And so with a tearful goodbye uh, to all of Israel as they went on to the Promised Land, the Bible tells us that Moses went up to the land of Moab and he died at the mountain and God took care of his burial. Hallelujah. Why did God take care of the burial? I don't know. I'm not sure the scripture says. But someone said one time I heard that God wasn't about to let all of these people that had been murmurers and grumblers and complainers and so on, when Moses had stood in the gap for them and begged God to keep them alive, God wasn't about to let all this bunch come around at his funeral and cry and shed tears and all of that. So God said, I'll take care of it. And God took him up and buried him at Mount Nebo. Hallelujah. And so Moses could not go, but he goes to Mount Nebo and he sees the promised land. Oh, with an aching heart. Oh, with a strong desire. I'd like to go right over yonder, but I'm not going to be able to go because I disobeyed God. How tragic it is when we see the blessing of God right out here at the end of our fingertips, but we say, I can't get it. Hallelujah. I do believe with all of my heart that God is raising up a Jesus name. One God apostolic church, not a Trinitarian church. I said, God's raising up a Jesus name, apostolic, one God, Holy Ghost filled church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And how, you may be seated, how tragic it is when a man like Moses has to say to his trusted helper, Joshua, I'm not gonna be able to go but you're going to go. How sad it is to end his life on this kind of note with all of the anticipation of many, many years. And now then he's not going to go to the promised land. Hallelujah. But I tell you something that's about as sad when a preacher that has preached the one God Jesus name message and builds the largest church in a particular state is uh, out of the ministry because of drinking and because of, of, 
uh, uh, fooling around with his life and because of adultery and he's no longer in the ministry. That's a sad thing tonight. I think it's up to every God-called preacher tonight to build some of these fences and get in the middle of it and say, bless God, I'm not going to let the devil destroy what I have done through his attacks against me. There's not a preacher in this house tonight that's not being attacked of the devil. Hallelujah. I've got a positive message. I've got a, I've got a positive message. But I'm also going to tell you that every preacher that preaches the truth is under attack tonight. As never before, every preacher that's preaching that Jesus named one God message is being attacked of hell and of Satan. Thank God, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. I had a preacher to tell me some time back, he once pastored a great church. He's not pastoring a church anymore. He was once what I considered an outstanding man of God with a good ministry, but he doesn't uh, uh, pastor anymore and very seldom ever preaches. Here's what he stood and told me. He said, Brother Godair, I am tired of being a policeman. I'm tired of trying to correct everybody. He said, I'm not going to do it. This is while he was still pastoring. He said, I'm going to preach what I feel, but I'm not going to worry about it. He said, I'm tired of being a, a, a somebody to get up every service and try to correct the situation. Well, I want to tell you something, Pastor. If you don't correct it, it's not going to get corrected. It's not up to the evangelist to do it. It's not up to the visiting preacher to do it. It's up to the pastor to get the backbone. And you know, it's not what you preach anyhow. It's what you practice and what you enforce that really counts in your church. Hallelujah. Years ago, I... I, we had a man to preach for us, and, and man, he came down the line. I mean, Brother Howard, he was preaching. No cut of hair, no makeup, and no pantsuits, and none of this, and none of that. And, and he was just naming it all. And one day I had a chance to go to his church and preach. And I found out when I got to where he was, Brother Booker, that was a good conference message for him, but it wasn't being practiced in his own church. I don't want any preacher to preach anything in my pulpit that he don't have the courage to preach in his own pulpit. If you don't preach it at home, don't preach it at my place just because you think I believe it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said it's not what you preach. It's what you practice. It's what you live. And it's what you enforce as a pastor that's going to count. Praise God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. And... Uh, Somebody said, well, you Pentecostal preachers that are still preaching this message are a failure. No, we're not a failure. Amen. You still don't have a 50 people. You're not a failure. 
if you're preaching the word of God and you're going to get some folks to heaven, you're not failing. You've got 35 standing there, love God, love truth, and preach the book. If you've got 75 standing there, love God, and preach the book. If you've got 500 standing there, bless God, and love God, and preach the truth. Preach the word. What did Paul say to Timothy? He said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having its and ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Hey, pastor, you say, I can't get a good evangelist. Well, bless God, you be it. Hallelujah. He said, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. For I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing. Clap your hands for the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Whatever you preach at home, Pastor, that's what you're going to have. Whatever you live at home, that's what you're going to have. Whatever you stand behind, that's what you're going to have. Whatever you enforce, and I'm not talking about that in a mean-spirited way, but whatever you enforce is what you're going to have. Is that right or wrong? And there's not one preacher here tonight if you're preaching the truth, but what you're under attack to the devil. I've talked to preachers everywhere recently, and they say the devil is coming against us in a fresh barrage. But I want to tell you that that just lets us know that we're in line for the blessing of God. The truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preacher, keep on preaching. Be not afraid of their faces. Keep on preaching. Keep on teaching. Keep on loving God. Keep on praying. Keep on fasting. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting. God is going to vindicate you and stand a revival of his mighty power. You may be seated. Woodrow Wilson said one time, I would rather fail in a cause that will ultimately succeed than to succeed in a cause that will ultimately fail. Hallelujah. Praise God. This church is going to succeed. He, he said it. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not. I will, shall not. I will, shall not prevail against the church. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Hallelujah. 
And that preacher that told me he wasn't going to enforce anything in this church, I'm just going to preach what I feel. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having a council. I'm tired of having to talk to people. I'm tired of saying the same thing over and over. Let me tell you, you've got to say the same thing over and over. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody said, oh, our people have already heard that. They don't need to hear it again. Don't kid yourself. I said they need to hear it again. Every once in a while, I'm going to preach one God to my church, although they've already heard it. I'm going to preach Jesus' name to my church. I'm going to preach the Holy Ghost, new birth, the power of God. You say they've already heard it, but there are other voices out there that's beckoning for them. Hallelujah. I want them to be rooted and grounded in this present truth. Glory. I said there's a lot of voices out there. People can be enticed. Preach the word. You may be seated. 90% of all failure results from people quitting too soon. Glory to God. And let us, one version said, let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. <laughs> Glory to God. The road to success leads uphill. Hallelujah. These folks that say they never have a problem and everything's going great all the time, I wonder about that. After 36 and a half years of pastor, I really begin to wonder about that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so the road to success leads uphill, and you don't need to expect to break any speed records. Man told me about five years ago, he said, I'm going to go to a certain city. I'm going to start a church. That's what he said at lunch. He just preached for me on Sunday morning. We went out to lunch. And he said, I'm going to such such city. I'm going to start a church. In one year, I'll have 200 people. He said, in two years, I'll have about three or 400. And he said, in five years, I'll have at least 500 to 1,000 people. I said, really? He said, really? I've started three, three or four churches. It never was that way with me, but I, I just thought, okay, I'm going to watch your track record. And so we went to this metropolitan area, and he started a church. After one year, he was running 15. After two years, he's running 20. Then there are five years now, and he's running 30. I ain't going to say nothing. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you one thing a preacher has to learn, that except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain who build it, and except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. I'm not going to tell you how big a church I'm going to build, but I am going to tell you I'm going to be in there every day fighting the devil. Bless God. I am going to tell you that every day I'm going to roll up my sleeves and go to work for God. How big is it going to be? I don't know. How many people you have? I don't know. But, brother, every day I'm going to give it my best shot. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you something, preachers. Your greatest mistakes may happen because of your impatience and your desire to build a big work quick, which almost is not going to happen. 
So you're negative. No, it's realistic. Hallelujah. Praise God. One fellow won a national award in the Sun School Division one year. And I wondered how in the world he had 150 after a year and a half until I found out 125 came from a neighboring pastor's church. And then we'll understand it better by and by. And I understood it better right then. <laughs> praise God, praise God, praise God. There's going to be somebody move around every once in a while, but if you're trying to build your church on move-ins, if that's your motive and your desire, your intention, you've got the wrong spirit. Hallelujah. You say they're not being fed where they are and I can feed them better than anybody else. What kind of an ego trip are you on? Nobody else can feed them like I can feed them. Well, bless God, you ought to be happy about your church and you ought to be a salesman for your church. But we got to remember, this is God's church. This is God's work. This is God's business. And the kingdom of God is not growing when somebody switches somewhere else. I wish I could get a witness right there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. And so uh, I, I remember years ago hearing one of my favorite preachers. Oh, what a preacher he was. You talk about Moses being sad going up on the mountain. This was a man that was dynamic. He was a tremendous preacher. But he got to fool around with the world, and he lost his church. Now that he's pastoring a little town, about 30 or 40 people. I know a preacher that's in this building tonight that had a best man at his wedding, and he pastored later six, 700 people. And tonight, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He doesn't even go to church, and he's driving a truck somewhere for some company tonight. It's a sad thing when a Moses has to go up to Mount Nebo and die and say, I wanted to go, but I can't go. Was Moses saved? Sure. Am I trying to discredit Moses? No. Am I trying to put him down? No. Meekest man that ever lived. I understand all of that. But I'm telling you, he just didn't get to go somewhere that he wanted to go. Years ago, we were in the state of Florida. We were going to a conference, and we stopped at a motel. And we spent the night, the next morning, the gentleman that checked out, four or five preachers of us. And uh, he checked us out, we paid the bill, and he said, you men are preachers, aren't you? And a word said about preaching. You men are preachers, aren't you? One of our groups said, yes. He said, you're Pentecostal, aren't you? One of our groups said, yes. He said, you're apostolic, Jesus' name, one God preachers, aren't you? One of our groups said, yes. Why did you ask that? Big old tears started coming down his face. He was about six foot four and weighed probably 230 pounds or more. And uh, tears started flowing down his face. He said, gentlemen, I used to preach exactly what you preached. He said, I preach revivals all over the southern part of the United States. I've preached camp meetings. I've preached and seen thousands get the Holy Ghost. But he said, gentlemen, I let down on my prayer life. I quit praying. I quit seeking God. I got cold. I got casual. I got laid back. And he said, then I fell into sin. And today, I'm running this motel here. But he said, gentlemen, he said, you could take this motel with your hands and pick it up and throw it across that road easier than you could take the truth out of my heart. 
He said, I know the truth. But he said, just pray for me that I'll not forever be lost. I want to tell you there's some folks that's going to fail in these last days. But is there anybody in this building tonight that's got your foot on the rock and you got your mind made up and you're not going to let anything or anybody stop you? Hallelujah. 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 About five, six years ago, my wife and I came to California. We preached a, a night service at a camp meeting. And the uh, camp meeting was over on Friday. And we drove to Bakersfield on Saturday because I had uh, an aunt and uncle there. My uncle was just about uh, to pass away. And so we drove over there and spent several hours in the hospital. And the next morning, we drove to Fresno and, and was in church in uh, Fresno right here. Of course, Brother Morton was gone, and the man he had preaching for him is here, I think, tonight. I talked to him today. And uh, we had a good service, enjoyed it. And after Sunday school, we left there and drove over toward the coast to spend a couple of days before going back home. It was a hot Sunday afternoon, and we stopped in a little town somewhere between here and the coast. I couldn't tell you the name of the town. But we went by a little Dairy Queen, and I said to my wife, I've heard tell them ever passed a Dairy Queen without going in. And I said, on a day like today, God made a day like today for a good old blizzard. Did anybody ever eat a blizzard? Oh, brother, I wish I had two of them right now. Praise God forever. We take time out and eat a while and we preach a while. But we stopped and went in there. There was a young lady waiting on us. Looked like anything but Pentecostal. My wife went in with me because I hot outside. We ordered our ice cream and we started to go and she said, sir, could I talk to you a minute? And I said, yes, ma'am. She looked about 19 or 20, I guess. She said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, you're a Pentecostal preacher, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, you baptize in Jesus' name and to get the Holy Ghost, don't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. I said, why in the world would you ask all of these questions? She started crying, standing right there with people in line to get something to eat. She said, I used to go to your kind of church. I got the Holy Ghost at the youth camp here in California, and I live for God, and I love God. But she said, about a year ago, my pastor came to our pulpit and said, I'm not going to preach anything that I've been preaching in the past anymore. He said, you women can cut your hair. You can wear jewelry. You can wear your pants. You can wear makeup. You folks can get a TV. And went on. She went on and told me all of this, standing right there with tears flowing down her cheeks. And she said, and so I got discouraged and I lost out with God. And she said, preacher, pray for me. I need help and I need God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, isn't there another Jesus name Apostolic Church? She said, there's one that speaks only Spanish here, and I don't understand the word of Spanish, and therefore I don't go. But we talked to her about the Lord. I don't know whatever happened to that young lady, but it's a sad thing when the followers. Stand up there, Pastor, and tell us what to do to go to heaven. It's a sad thing when the followers pass the leader. Now, 
Amen. Amen. Somebody shout praise the Lord. There's some of our young people that we have in church that out-worship daddy and mama. I've gone to churches, Brother Howard, and there was a young man praising God, and daddy and mama just standing back there with their arms folded. I've seen young ladies shouting and praising God, and mama was standing back there just fiddling around, looking around, and wasn't praising God. I don't believe the young people ought to out-shout the uh, married folks and, and the middle-aged folks. And... I want to tell you young men something here tonight. You think you can shout? You ain't going to out-shout me. Do you hear me? Praise God. Do you young men hear me? You're not going to out-shout me. Let's praise the Lord when shout with a voice of triumph. Hey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated. You young men, if you're going to the promised land, I'm going with you. If you think I'm going to go up to Nebo and die, I ain't about to do it. I'm going to the land of promise. Hallelujah. 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 Some places the saints out-worship the preacher. Some places the saints outpray the preacher. Some places the saints live better than the preacher. Now I want to tell you something tonight. It's time for every man of God to stand up and say, Bless God, you're not going to outpray me, outshout me, outworship me. I'm not going to Nebo. I'm going to Promised Land. Somebody shout amen. amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. You may be seated. If you young people are going to shout, I want you to know I'm going to shout. And I tell them in the church I pastor, you're not going to outshout me. I've had the Holy Ghost 42 years last February. Baptized in Jesus' name in the state of Missouri in a cold creek. A river, whatever you want to call it, about as wide as from here to that door over there. And it was 20 degrees above zero and had to break the ice to get me in and baptize me in Jesus' name. You think I'm going to let all that go to in pain? I wasted you funny as you look. If anybody's going to shout, I'm going to shout. You're not going to leave me at Nepo. I'm going to the promised land.
Don't get left at Nebal. Let's go to the promised land. You may be seated. Just a minute, if you want to. I don't care whether you do or not, if you want to. But you know, 
I guess I've been preaching 40 years. I've been preaching long enough to say this. If there's anything that makes me sick, it's to see young couples in their, hear me now, in their 20s and 30s drag into church. Sit down for a minute. If there's anything that makes me sick, it's you 40-year-olds, you 45-year-olds, you 50-year-olds. All you want to talk about is retiring. You can't wait till you retire. Why don't you get a life? God, God's not through with you yet. You 50-year-olds need to wake up. You 55-year-olds need to wake up. You 60-year-olds need to get some life. Hey, don't tell the young people how to shout. Show them how. Don't tell them how to worship. Show them how. Because if you don't start praising God, the church is going to leave you at Nebo because somebody is going to go to the land of promise. The follower is going to pass the leader. Sit down for a minute. Now look. You know what? You know what tonight? Brother Vaughn Morton and I are the same age. That's right, bless God. He, he and I together can whip the whole bunch. All of you young whippersnappers, Brother Morton and I'll take you all on. If you think you're going to pass him and I up, you got another thing coming. <laughs> Glory! Come on, you young whippersnappers. Bless God, there's some older men that's taking you on. You know who ought to be the most faithful one to church? It ought to be those in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. You know who ought to be the best worshipers in the church? It ought to be those in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. You know who ought to be the best givers in the church? It ought to be you in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. You know who ought to be the best soul winners in the church? It ought to be you folks in your 40s, your 50s, and 60s. 
Don't leave it up to the youngins and don't leave it up to the new converts. Somebody said they ran a survey. 87% of everybody's one to church in Pentecost is one by people that had the Holy Ghost six months or less. If there's anybody that's going to do soul winning, it ought to be some of us that's been around for a while. We know what we're talking about. Some of you around here tonight, you know how to witness, but you can't do it in here. Take it out yonder somewhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The one that spearheads and leads the way for revival ought to be the pastor, the pastor's wife, the church secretaries, the Sunday school teachers, the ushers, the choir members, the musicians, the singers. Don't you play music to me if you don't know how to worship. You singers don't sing to me if you don't know how to praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You say, I could have revival in my church if I just had a good music director. You might have a bushel of trouble if you don't get the right music director. Because when the devil was kicked out of heaven, I'm persuaded he landed in the church choir. And in the orchestra pit. Glory to God. They said the war department of any church is the choir and the nursery. Praise God. Praise God. I almost had to break up a fight here a while back between two parents because one of their kids bit the other kid in the nursery. And they about lost the Holy Ghost over it. Now, that wouldn't happen in Oklahoma, only in North Carolina. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what I'm trying to say tonight? Hallelujah. I've trained a few, not near enough, but I've trained a few young men. I've got a few that's out from me that's pastoring the church tonight. And I'm going to tell them, and I'm going to tell you, and I've told them, you're not going to outshout me. You young men, you're not going to outpray me. You're not going to outwitness me. You're not going to knock more doors than I knock. Now you just hear me, young fellas. The followers is not going to pass the leader. Hallelujah. I'm going to promised land. Anybody want to go? You want to go to Nebo and die? Or you want to go to the promised land where there's milk and honey? Hey, young men, while you're running, wait for me. I'm coming too. Wait for me. I'm coming too. Glory to God. Glory to God. I said, while you're running, don't you run off from me. Here I come. Bless God. 
Glory. Glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm 58 years old tonight. Never been so happy. Never been so excited. I've never wanted to go to the promised land. Brother Buck said, any more than I want to go tonight. I've never enjoyed my salvation so much. I've never enjoyed the Holy Ghost so much. Glory to God. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I'm bound for the promised land. I said I'm bound for the promised land. Praise God. Praise God. I'm dwelling in Beulah land, and I'm not going to be satisfied until I get there. Wait for me, young men. Wait for me, young preachers. I'm coming too. Musicians, come to the music. And don't start yet. Just, just give them a little hope. That's what they say. They said an optimist. An optimist is somebody that thinks the preacher's quitting when he says now in closing. That's the definition of an optimist. Glory to God. Glory to God. Many folks in Pentecost hear me tonight that have been baptized, had the Holy Ghost for years. You've lost your shout. You've lost your zeal. You've lost your faith. You've lost your zip. You've lost your fervor. You've lost your power, and you're settling back into a normal routine of Pentecostalism, and it's not the will of God. So if you shout, I'm going to shout too. If you get excited, I'm going to get excited. If you jump, I'm going to jump. If you run, I'm going to run. If you pound on this pulpit, young preachers, I'm going to pound on it. Bless God. Somebody say praise the Lord. I want to go out of here shouting. But if you're on your way to the promised land tonight, don't run off and leave me. I'm going too. I don't want to ride on Mount Nebo. I'm going to the promised land. Glory to God. I said, I'm not going to rot on Mount Nebo. I'm going to the promised land. You say you're 58, about ready to retire. No, I'm about ready to refire. You say it's time to settle back and just enjoy it if you've got a good self-supporting church. I didn't get in this to have just a good self-supporting. I could have made a good living doing something else. And every one of these men up here could too. Every one of them. And they could have went home at night and, and basically been through with their problems. And I'm not complaining. They're not complaining. Praise God. I did visitation all day last Saturday. It's what I ought to do. Did it all day. Had a Holy Ghost rally Saturday night. Church was over. Brother Jim Johnson, my assistant, he's from California. Uh, yeah, Southern California. And uh, he... He preached, and after he got through, everybody started to go down to the gym to eat. And I, we got a young man come up, and he got talking to me. He said, Pastor, I really need God. I said, 
you ever find a better time to find him than right now? He said, I don't think so. We started praying for him, prayed him through the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Last Sunday and Sunday night, we had Brother Nathan Elms preach for us. Brother David Elms, some good young preacher, and closed the service. I think four or five more got the Holy Ghost. You know what I think? I think it's time to have revival. Glory to God. I said, I think it's time to have revival. You say, Brother, go there. You've been preaching 40 years. You ought to quit. No, sir, buddy. I'm just getting started. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last Thursday, they delivered us a band at Hall of Folks Church. And you got me on conviction preaching over there in Tulsa. Remember that? That's right. And bless God, I took it to heart. Talking about running buses and driving vans and just bringing folks to church. And Brother Morton got me on a conviction. We already had 17 buses and nine Maxwell Wagon vans. And I said, that ain't enough. So last week we bought another van. Yesterday we bought eight more buses. They delivered eight more buses. Have I got you on a conviction? Well, bless God. Now then, I got, I, I got 25 buses. All right. Praise God. You say, what are you going to do? I'm just going to bring folks to church. That's what. Amen. You say, you say, I ain't going after all them poor folks. All right, you go ahead to Nebo. I'm going to go to Canaan, bless God. Hallelujah. Last Sunday, we had 610 to ride our buses. This coming Sunday, we're going to try for 700. You say, I ain't going to fool with them. Well, bless God, you just go to Nebo and die. I'm going to go to the promised land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to go to every jail. It's time to go to every prison. It's time to go to every rest home. It's time to knock on doors. It's time to teach Bible studies. It's time to go after them. Sound me a key over there, musicians. And so, if I have to, I'll put liniment on my back. I'll put some foot powder in my shoes. I'll put some honey on my biscuits. I'll put some orange juice in my breakfast. I'll put some vegetables in my diet. But whatever I gotta do, I'm going to the promised land. I said, I'm going to promised land. Come on, some of you folks over 50, just kind of stretch a little bit. See if you're very rusty. Yeah, you passed the great divide. Glory, if I have to, I'll take vitamin A and vitamin B and vitamin D and I'll take vitamin B2. And if I have to, I'll take B3 and B4. I'll take B6 and B12. 
I'll take B-complex vitamins. I don't know what I got to take, but whatever I got to do, I ain't going to Nebo. I'm going to the promised land. Somebody shout with me. Glory. 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 I said I'm going to the promised land. I ain't going to Nebo. I'm going to the promised land. Amen. You know, churches and, and saints don't backslide overnight. I, I read a verse the other day. God just dropped it in my heart and I ain't going to preach about it. But in Hosea 7 and verse 9, strangers have devoured thy strength and he knoweth it not. Then he said, gray hairs, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth it not. God said, you're getting gray-headed and you can't even see it. Glory to God. That's what he said. God said, you're getting gray-headed and it happens just slow and it happened just a little bit at a time. You didn't even know what was happening. We lost our strength a little bit at a time. We lost our shout, our victory, our joy, our peace. You know one thing missing in Pentecost is old-fashioned joy. I believe when we go to church, we ought to have a good time. And here we are singing, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? And God said, hush your mouth. Why don't you sing, and won't we have a time while we're right here? Glory! Glory! You know what I'm going to do if I have to? I'm going to take some wheat turmoil. I'm going to take some cod liver oil. I'm going to drink me some mountain water. Bless God and get me some aloe vera juice. Whatever it takes. I ain't going to Nebo. I'm going to promise. If I have to, I'll drink some cactus juice. If I have to, I'll drink some goat's milk. If I have to, I'll drink some tiger's milk. But I ain't going to Nebo. I said I'm going to the promised land. Hallelujah. If I have to as I get older, I'll eat some elephant's earlobe. I'll eat some raccoon's toenails. But I ain't going to Nebo, I'll guarantee you. Glory to God. I said if I have to, I'll take a little Maalox. And if I have to, I'll take some Alka-Seltzer. And if I have to, I'll take some Carter's Little Liver Pill. And if I have to, I'll take some Penamint. And if I have to, I'll take some X-Lax. And if I have to, I'll take some Black Drop. And if I have to, I'll take some Castor Oil. But I ain't going to Nebo. Boy, I said I'm going to the promised land. Anybody going? Hallelujah. 
I said hallelujah. You know, you know, when I was just a little boy, every time I got sick, sick, mama gave me some castor oil. If I got a headache, she gave me castor oil. Had a stomachache, castor oil. I don't care what's wrong with me. They believe that cure everything. Castor oil. I got sick of that stuff. I ain't drunk any since I've been grown. But if I have to, I'll go back to it. If I have to, I'll drink some milk of magnesia, bless God. I'll try to get more iron if I need to, more copper, more lead, more zinc, more potassium, more calcium, but I ain't going to Nemo. Glory. Hallelujah. I said some of us that's in the over 50 crowd, we'll take some proxide. We'll take some KO peptate. We'll take some Sudafed. We'll take some Actifed. We'll take some garlic pills. We'll rub on little Vic Sav. Hallelujah. But we ain't going back to Nebo. We're going to shout our way to the promised land. Anybody going to the promised land? Hallelujah. So I'll put my pacemaker in. I'll get me some campophonique. I'll put glasses on my ears and hearing aids in my ears. I'll put a truss on my hernia and a brace on my back. But I ain't going to Nebo. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some of us been around a while. Our favorite song is Trust and Obey. No, you didn't get it. But I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to drink some orange juice, bless God, some prune juice, some apple juice, some pear juice, some grapefruit juice, praise God. I'll eat some pecans and walnuts and almonds and cashews. I'll drink some carrot juice, cabbage juice, beet juice, celery juice, cranberry juice, blueberry juice, blackberry juice. I'll eat some potassium and Cheerios and Oreos, but I ain't going back to Nebo. I want somebody to get excited about going to the promised land. Hey, young people, you ain't going without Brother Morton and me. We'll get an adjustment on our back, shampoo on our head, our hearing aid in our ears, our bifocals, our art support, we'll get our bridges and our root canals. We'll have a transplant, implant, eggplant, or whatever. But we ain't going back to me. Anybody going to promised land? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't need to let this old time salvation die. Just don't let Holy Ghost revival you folks in your 40s. Let's don't let this old time apostolic message die. I'll do push-ups, sit-ups, chin-ups, and pull-ups. <laughs> 
I'll walk, run, or jog. If I have to, I'll watch my calories, watch my weight, watch my height, watch my cholesterol, watch my blood pressure, and my pulse rate. But I ain't going to Nebo. My Lord, I never felt so much like shouting in my life. Hey, now just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. Is there anybody here under 20? Anybody here under 20? Now I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to sing one chorus of that song. And I want everybody under 20 to leap, shout, jump, laugh, holler, scream. Everybody under 20, go ahead and sing. Well, I'm on my way to heaven and I won't turn back. Well, I'm on my way to heaven and, and I, I can't turn back. With the Lord as my leader, my God and my keeper, and I will not, will not, shall not, shall not, no, I won't turn back. Just a minute. Brother Libby said stop. Stop. I can't say it like he can say it. Let's go. Hallelujah. Now, now, I want you to sing that again. And I want everybody between 20 and 40 have you a spell. Sing. Well, I'm on my way to heaven and I will turn back. Well, I'm on my way to heaven and I will turn back. With the Lord as my leader, my God and my keeper. And I will not. Lord 
He said, Reverend, when you see Johnny talk to him on the phone, would you give him a message for me? Dad said, sure will. What is it? He said, you tell him I am sorry for what I said before the school that day. And he said, you tell him that I am more proud of him now than if he'd have stayed on the team. Boy! But a, but a red where Dolph Shays used to play in the NBA, just saying this to make a point. They asked him, said, how do you score so many points? And he said, this is the way I do it. Before the game, I get in the corner alone, nobody around, and I start talking to myself. And I say to myself, when you walk out of here, that player is going to guard you. He's going to try to keep me from getting the ball. And if I get the ball, he's going to try to keep me from scoring the basket. And he said, I'm still talking out loud. I do this every time. He said, if I don't make the basket, I don't score points. And if I don't score points, I lose my job on the team. And if I lose my job on the team, I lose my salary. And if I lose my salary, my wife and kids don't eat. And if my wife and kids don't eat, they starve to death and die. And he said, about that time, every game... He said, I jump out of that corner, he said, ask any of the players, and I shake my fist, and I say, where is that buzzard that's trying to kill my wife and kids? Let me on the floor with that guy trying to kill my wife and kids. You know what I, I paraphrase tonight? Where is that devil? That's trying to keep me out of here. Where is that devil that don't want me to shout, that don't want me to meet, that don't want me to jump, that don't want me to praise God, that don't want me to have the victory? Let's sing it again. Well, I'm that devil out of here. 